0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome everyone to season two, episode 15 of the Writer's Block here at Blogging the Boys. Uh, this is David Howman, not your normal host. Uh, Brandon Laurie was unable to be with us uh, in, in celebrating the, the really incredible Cowboys dominant win over the Eagles. Um, we, we assume that he's just uh, just busy celebrating in, in the, most, uh, the most Brandon Lurie way, just absolutely going over the top and, and rubbing it in the faces of all those Eagles fans because, my, what a win. The Cowboys pretty much dominated from start to finish, came out 33-13 victorious. They finally got a win over a team with a winning record. There's no debate about whether or not it counts. A team that came in with the best record in the NFL. They played well on offense, defense, special teams, had a bunch of different guys make plays all over the place. And most importantly, they did it on Sunday Night Football on an island game where everybody was watching. And I'm joined here by uh, our our two other uh, co-hosts. We're we're not the complete four horsemen here, but we are still – a bunch of uh, of bucking stallions with all the energy, ready to talk about this game. Um, so uh, I've got Brandon Clements and Chris holland Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, with with this game being being won the way that it was over the Eagles, uh, are you buying this as like a statement game, as the Cowboys kind of announcing themselves as legitimate contenders, or or do you think this is more a case of just the Cowboys, you know, just they just had their revenge moment over the Eagles, or the Eagles weren't as good. What, what was your takeaway from this?
0: I always felt like they were contenders, to be honest. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans did believe that, but I think it does definitely kind of push that narrative on a national standpoint because because, like you mentioned, it was on Sunday night football, and um, and you know, like the whole country was able to see it, and now they can kind of shut down that narrative that the Cowboys, you know, can't win the big games against you know big winning teams. And, you know, I think it's a good step in that direction. It's especially good too, you know, because the Eagles, you know, did pull off their last matchup against them, you know, things didn't go the Cowboys way a couple of balls bounced the wrong way, you know, um, a couple, you know, feet, you know, you know, just barely went out of bounds. Um, a couple of balls didn't cross the line, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff. But, you know, in this game, everything went the Cowboys favor. They recovered all three of their forced fumbles and, you know, it all went their way. So I think it's definitely, you know, just um, a great overall team win. And um, Dak Prescott, I think, you know, really, I think, I think personally he distanced himself from Jalen Hurts in the MVP conversation. I think now, realistically, it's a Dak uh Tyreek Hill and Brock Purdy debate and I would still take Dak number one out of those three for um many different reasons but yeah no, I think that it definitely I think it 1000 you know helps push that narrative that um they are Super Bowl contenders and that they can compete with the best in the conference and the best in the NFL
2: absolutely I mean that's no question I was just thinking you know our name for the show I guess we'll do, we'll call ourselves a three amigos so uh I think it's the Triplets Ah, yeah, there it is. Me, Look at this. Look at Chris Chris Howling mm-hmm. with the fire. I mean, the Triplets Cowboys, it makes I'm sense. I'm surprised you you know that reference with with oh, the <laughs> Yeah, Chris, you're like you're like negative 10 at that, you know, at, at that point, man. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was I was like, I don't know. I think I was almost in elementary school at that point. So I, th- I mean, I'm the I'm the elder statesman of the group. So I do remember vaguely of the uh, of the of the Triplets, you know, of the peak, you know, Cowboy Steelers, Larry Brown, that that whole deal. But, you know, swing it back here to 2023. It, it's to, to to add to Chris, it was it was a hell of a game. You know, Dak Dak was on the money. Everybody was just rolling. You know, and, you know, minus you know, Dak had his little situation with the fumble and the scoop and score. Uh, but you know, by Jalen Carter, who looked like he was running like a running back at that point. Guys that that big should not be uh, running that fast. But other than that, you know, Eagles didn't score an offensive touchdown, so that was you know that's another thing. And you know, I will tell you this: I think it is a statement game because. Let's see, you know, favorite ESPN personality that loves the Dallas Cowboys, Stephen A. Smith says, this this year feels different for the Cowboys. I mean, and Stephen A. Smith will use every excuse in the book, you know, to, you know, to to downplay anything the Cowboys are doing, to schedule this, to schedule that, blah, 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 blah. But even he is feeling different about it, and he's the biggest detractor of the of the Cowboys. I mean, Pat McAfee was—I think he referred to the Cowboys as a wagon. I think I saw on, on the on the Pat McAfee show today. So you get some really good, you know, you know, different takes from some different personalities, and you know, overall, it's just you know, Jalen Hurts is not—you know—to me, he's not even in the MVP conversation anymore. It's like you can't have him be in the MVP conversation when you're turning the ball over as much as he does. Like he's just a—to me—he's a turnover machine. And Dak Prescott, and according to Vegas, Dak Prescott is actually the the front runner for uh, for the MVP. So that's uh, that's a beautiful thing. And then Brock Purdy's probably the competition. Tyree kills the competition, as you mentioned. But right now, I think it's Dak's to to lose at this point.
1: Yeah, to your point, Brandon. Um, the the odds updated from DraftKings Sportsbook uh, Monday morning after that game. Have Dak Prescott in the lead at at 160 odds. Brock Purdy, as you said, he's he's right behind him at plus 200. Tyreek Hill actually down at let's see if I can count sixth place right now, uh, which probably just reflects how a lot of people feel the the MVP is pretty much a quarterback trophy. But this was a really uh, this was a big moment for the Cowboys, a big moment for Dak Prescott in his MVP candidacy. And it's funny because he played well, but he still anyone who's been watching him knows this was not his best game. He even said afterwards, like, I didn't play my best. I have things I got to clean up. Obviously the fumble, um, which of course was, was really in a way kind of on the offensive line because they let the pressure get to him. Um, but he still has to hold to the ball. Um, and it was not his best game, but he was still playing great in that first half, especially the offense as a whole played really well. They scored touchdowns on three of their four drives. Um, and, and this was kind of the, the culmination of the last few weeks of his MVP candidacy coming to light and sort of becoming mainstream. And I have to give props to, uh, to Nick Wright, uh, the, the host of first things first on FS one, because he has been calling his shot for a few weeks now. Um, and I noticed it. I saw it on, on Twitter a few weeks ago. He was saying like, nobody's watching yet, but Dak Prescott's playing the best ball. And he said, he's going to play on Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to see him destroy the commanders. And they're going to say, Oh, like, they're going to start to take notice. And then they're going to go play Thursday night against Seattle, and he's going to play well against that defense. And then they're going to say, should he be in the conversation? And then Sunday night against the Eagles, if he goes in, out and plays well like he has been against the Eagles and gets the win, and he even said Sunday night football, Chris Collinsworth, as the Cowboys are winning that game, is going to say, Dak Prescott is now the MVP frontrunner. And darn if it didn't happen almost verbatim. There was even that bit near the end where Collinsworth is kind of goading along Mike Tyrico and he's like, he's like, which one of these guys is the most valuable player and Tyrico wouldn't take the bait of course. But, uh, but that, that really, it's been these three nationally televised games where, where Dak has just continued to play great. The offense has played well, the Cowboys, uh, you know, their defense wasn't great last week against the Seahawks, but they really picked up and, and played the way that there's that we expect them to against the Eagles. And it's it just, everything has kind of culminated in this, this perfect moment for them. Um, and obviously now there's more tough games coming, but, but how does this, does this worry you, Brandon, that like things are going their way and people are starting to jump on the bandwagon?
2: Yeah, I think so. And to a degree, I feel like, you know, it's, you know, you, you see the jokes on social media, Facebook X, whatever you call it. They have like this circle. It's like, you know, Oh, the Cowboys, it's, this is our year kind of thing. And it's like a parody account, like the NFL memes type of things. And they're always, they're always picking on the Cowboys fans and the Cowboys as a whole. So it's like, it's a pendulum where it's like, okay, they won a few games. Now they look like the most legit team in the league. And then, Oh, here we go. It's what they've done the last, you know, almost three thirty 30 years, choking the playoffs. So it's, you know that's that's kind of where I'm at with it, and in and, and I to your point I have to I have to bring up a Syracuse reference, of course. You know, uh, Syracuse legend Mike Tricho, great broadcaster from us uh, uh, Syracuse. You know, he didn't take the bait. He's a pro's pro. He's been doing this a long time, so you know, kudos to Mike Tricho for not taking the Collinsworth bait. I mean, Collinsworth can put his foot in the mouth, put his foot in his mouth plenty of times throughout a broadcast, as we saw. So that's 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 a Collinsworth thing. But you know, swing it back to the Cowboys. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's one of those deals where. I'm okay with it because this is, this is, this is America's team and you're supposed to, you're supposed to be at the top of your level, like top of the game. Like obviously Jerry Jones has his team as a, you know, as, as our boys across the pond, you know, uh, Paul and Mike, you know, the, those, those boys, the world's team that, you know, they came across the pond and, you know, they represented, you know, across the, you know, across the, the pond and, and showed us that we're not just America's team we're, we're the world world's team. And for us that, you know, that's, that's our thing. Like it's, you know, the, you're expected to do certain things because of how good you are and you're how, you know, how popular you are, how much money you're making, this, that, and the other thing. But at the end of the day, the pressure is still on because, you know, Chris, Chris is a, you know, the youngest guy here. And I don't think Chris has seen too many, uh, too many playoff wins. I don't even think he's seen the Super Bowl. So, you know, I I was at the tail end of that part of it. So. I've not even
0: seen a conference championship appearance. Well,
2: Well, you know, great news. I feel like I feel like if the Cowboys can keep playing at this level, I do think as as long as they can, you know, you know, take that pressure and and build it into a diamond and, and, you know, make that diamond nice and beautiful and shine it up real nice. I think a conference championship and maybe a potential, you know, a a ring at the end of the year could be another thing. So, Chris, you might get your wish. You know, it's been a long time. I was I was a young lad when the uh, when the boys won last. So. It'll be good to see after all these years that, you know, that, uh, you know, we're, we're back we're back where we're supposed to be, which is winning the sixth ring. I if hope that, so, because Chris bet his entire rent on this happening, so.
0: I did, yes. Um,
2: Oof, that's tough. If
0: if, if that <laughs> Prescott wins MVP and the Cowboys win a Super Bowl this season, I will be unbearable on social media. I just have to put it out there like, nope, nobody will ever be able to tell me anything. None of my friends will ever be able to throw it in my face that, you know, the Cowboys can't win the big games. Dak Prescott's not a franchise quarterback. He's not a league quarterback because I still have friends who say that to me still to this day. And, yeah, I'm so, you know, I'm so happy with how the season is going so far. You know, I mean, it's very possible that the Cowboys, even with this win, they don't win the division because, you know, things still are in favor of the Philadelphia Eagles. But, I still think that this is a top three team in the NFL right now. And I think that's whether, whether they win the division, whether they have the first seed, I think that they're going to be in a good position in the playoffs.
1: Yeah. To your point, Chris, uh, the Cowboys are right now at this very moment, first place in the NFC East. They have the same record as the Eagles. They split the series. Obviously Um, they have a better division record because they've played one more game. Um, So if both teams win out from here, of course, the Eagles because of uh, various tiebreakers they would have uh, they would still win the division Um, so the Cowboys they they obviously need to win and Mike McCarthy said as much on Monday was saying like we're not looking at the playoff picture yet we know we got to beat Buffalo and that's going to be I imagine the case the rest of the way they really don't have much room to slip up and the Eagles also will need to lose some game at some point doesn't really matter at this point uh, who it's against but they still need the Eagles to, to slip up one more time. They, they play at Seattle next week. Uh, they have two games against the Giants, and then they also face the Cardinals, who, of course, that, that loss to, to Arizona was, um, was one of the uh, – really the worst loss the Cowboys have this year. That's one, the one that's kind of holding them back right now with all of the math around that uh, division race. But um, I do want to – before we get into our, our game for the show – um, I, I do want to bring up talking about Dak and his MVP odds to Brandon's point. He picked him. He predicted he was going to have a big year. Uh, what was it? 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns and single digit, single interceptions. digit interceptions. So somebody, okay. somebody put this together. If, uh, if you took, if you take the production that Dak Prescott has put up since the bye week, and you were to expand that over 17 games, he would be, he, he would get uh, Five thousand two hundred seventy-five yards, fifty-three touchdowns, and five interceptions. So it, it's not yeah. necessarily, you know, it, it may not actually hit those numbers, but based on the DAC that we're seeing and we have seen for the last couple of months, uh,
2: may, maybe that's a feather in your cap that you, that you can hold on to. Absolutely. I mean, you guys know this. I've been banging the drums since the summer. I, I just, I just had a great feeling about DAC. I feel, I felt like with this whole Texas coast offense, I, I, I just felt like. The, the pieces were in place. You know, we were, we had Brandon cooks coming in. Michael Gallup was coming back, you know, you know, another year removed from his ACL, which obviously hasn't, you know, you know, he's had his moments here and there, but it's been, I'd say kind of, I still think it's a, a pretty forgettable year for, for Gallup. And then my guy tight end one, I've been saying it before, you know, after the draft, you know, schoolmaker, you know, I, you know, much respect and love for him in the second round this past year, but I was banging the drum for Jake Ferguson all off season. And I'm and. And you can see it by the numbers, and we'll, we'll get into Jake a little bit later, I'm sure, because uh, Jake had himself a heck of a game. But yeah, Dak, Dak is I just I just had faith in Dak this year. I just Dak and the Cowboys, you know, at the defense. It's just the entire team right now is just you know it's gelling, and you know I call my shot. I think I said. I think I said 13 and 4, 14 and 3 this year. I know Chris is kind of in line with that. I believe we've done that on a few shows. So I think Chris and I, I think our predictions on that 13-win or 14-win uh, figure, I, I don't think we're too crazy at this point.
0: Yeah, I said Dad, 14 and 3. And um
2: yeah.
0: And um RJ made, you know, um fun of me a little bit on the round table. You know, a few of the other guys were laughing. They're like, oh, no way. And it's very possible. So,
2: Chris, Chris, remember when we, when, whenever we've done those those wonderful uh, blogging the boys roundtables with RJ as our as our uh, our fearless leader, I've always had your back on that. So I know I know Me you sure. and I are always on the same page <laughs> with the wins. And I, you know what, if we can get, you know, we got twelve twelve wins, uh, you know, last two years, we're gonna have I feel like another twelve win season. So three in a row, like the, the Cowboys are rolling right now. And and, and I know uh, Hallman's been doing a great job with the McCarthy Chronicles. So we. You know, I know he can hype hype up how great McCarthy is and uh, the future Hall of Famer that he uh, he will be someday when he wins the Cowboys the Super Bowl.
1: That's right, and uh, and of course you can you can read all of those uh, those those articles from all of us uh, on BloggingTheBoys We recommend you go and check it out. A uh, lot of great content out there. Um, and the Cowboys are rolling to your point, and they were rolling in this game against the Eagles. There were a whole bunch of players that played really really well, which is why I'm really excited to get into our game where we're gonna do our, our regular top five players um, from this game. And uh, of course, like we always say, it's not necessarily just, just the five best players in a vacuum because obviously Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, they're gonna be up at the top all the time. This is just the five players we felt, we individually felt were the standout players from this game, the ones who for whatever reason caught our eye the most. And it's always interesting after a game like this, where there were so many guys who flashed in so many different ways. And I, I have a feeling there's going to be some disagreements here. So I'm really excited to see uh, how this goes. So um, Chris, let's, let's start with you. Who's, who's in your number five spot?
0: Yeah. So, you know, we talked about me betting uh, the rents on, uh, <laughs> on, um, on certain things before the season, I would be willing to bet half the rents that um you guys won't have this this player in your top five I think I went a little out with this one but I feel confident in it I went Tony Pollard at number five and you know that may seem a little confusing but you know one thing about the Eagles defense that I think hasn't been questioned this season is really their run defense I know that their secondary has had a lot of struggles you know you know over the past um several weeks but Tony Pollard's um he looked good in, in terms of running the football he um looked um precise he looked um like he had you know some good um explosion you know um he had that speed and, and um he finished the game with 23 touches for 96 yards and i think that that ended up really being a big difference maker in the way the cowboys offense was able to consistently drive on the eagles because you know it's set up a lot in the passing game It set it, it, it uh, set up plays in the play action it set up um the uh, rollout option it set up a lot of things if you get a good run game your passing your passing game is going to do well if you get a good passing game then then um, your rushing game is going to do well they always you know feed off of each other and um it, and i feel like a lot of people you know, at the beginning of the season, we're kind of down on Tony Pollard. You know, I think that people were expecting him to really showcase, you know, you know, him being the true number one and not having to split, you know, like any carries with Ezekiel Elliott. And, you know, when he got off to the slow start to start the season, I think a lot of people were like, oh man, like he was a product of Zeke, you know, wearing down the defenses, you know, the Cowboys really needed that, you know, bruiser in front of him so that Tony Pollard, you know, could, you know, like do all this. But I think people need to put in perspective that, you know, in that divisional loss, um to the 49ers he fractured his leg and suffered a high ankle sprain like it's going to take a little bit to get that explosion back that's not an easy rehab process and I know you know like he had the offseason but that's a tough injury that's a significant injury and I think we're really seeing that explosion you know you know um coming back and you know one thing too is you know um you know if you look at not just his touches but even when he you know wasn't carrying the football um he had a huge play in that second quarter, you know, um, uh, um, right before halftime uh, on that deep strike to Brandon Cooks. Um, uh, um, Pollard came up with a key block on um, uh, on the um, Eagles linebacker, Zach Cunningham. And I think that that, you know, without that block, Dak Prescott's probably taken a sack. You know, um, it could be another fumble. It could, have. Um, I, I would say, put them out of field goal range. But obviously that, that you know, it, it may not be possible with Brandon Aubrey on the team. But yeah, no, I think that Tony Pollard Honestly, he had a really, really good game. I would argue it may have been his best game of the season. I know that um, he only finished with 59 rushing yards, and the average, you know, kind of took a little bit of a hit. But I think that that just comes down to, you know, those um, the, um uh, those um, uh, last couple of drives when the Cowboys knew, or when the Eagles knew that they were just, you know, trying to chew the clock and 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 finish the game. Um, I think that without Tony Pollard's ability to get the run game going early, I think that it puts a lot more pressure on Dak and maybe the offense. You know, it just doesn't look like it's in as good of rhythm throughout the game.
1: I, I love the the listing of, of Tony Pollard here. And, and I, I agree with everything you're saying. I thought he had a really good game. Um, you know, everything you were saying. Uh, he also had, he led the team in catches, which when I saw that later, I, it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like he was getting thrown the ball that much, but I mean, he was touching the ball. He was, he was productive when he was touching the ball, even though the the averages for his actual yards per carry don't really reflect that. But, um, you know, whatever whatever kind of stock you put in uh, pro football-focused player uh-huh. grades, he did have the second highest grade for offensive players in this game. And I think that's, that's reflected when you watch the way that he played in this game. Um, he did, you know, to, to your point, to your bet about us not having him, I didn't have him on my list, but he was a guy that I was like, I, I wanted to include him on my list. And like I said at the beginning, there's so many guys that could have made this list, and I felt bad about leaving him off. Um, so I, am happy you brought him up. Brandon, did you have Pollard on your list?
2: To ching open up the register. You just won your bet, buddy. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I didn't have Tony yeah. Pollard on my list either. So, and that's, and I'm with Howman, like it was nothing against Howman or against, not Howman, but against Pollard. I think Pollard had a half, you know, halfway decent game. You know, I, I it's so funny cause I'm looking at the stat line like Howman was, you know, and I'm like oh my God, he had seven catches. I didn't even, you know, it was a sneaky seven and he, he had eight targets, so he was pretty efficient. And he, you know, was five 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 and a half yards just about per, per grab, which doesn't, sh- which isn't a, you know, a, a monster number, but I call that a safety valve number because Dak can just outlet it to him or throw it to him on a swing. And you know what, it, it's, it's, to me, it's an equivalent of getting a five yard rush or a five and a half yard rush, which gets you ahead of the chains on second and third down, for example. So, you know, the numbers may not, you know, pop, but he he did play a good game, and into Hamid's point about the, the the PFF, like yeah, he you know that the, the numbers don't lie, and you know I you know what, and I was thinking too, you know looking at his average three point seven yards per carry, like that's you know that's fine. I mean it's you know he, he got his, he got the job done. He you know he was effective, and I think the total package for Tony, I, I thought he looked really good, and and I, I think he's getting closer and closer to where he was per, uh, previous to the injury, and you know believe it or not, we're almost a year up year. Uh, you know, removed from it. So he's, he's almost there. And I, I feel like his explosiveness is is getting there. So like, you know, it's not a bad pick at five. You know, I, I didn't have him on there, but he was, he was scratching the surface at you know, in that he was in that, like, you know, six to eight range for me. Like I was, you know, going through my, my players in my head. So it's not, you know, you're not too crazy with that pick. And I, you know, I, I you know, I, I, love it.
1: Thank you. So who, who did you have at five then? If not Tony Pollard, who, who made the cut over this running back that,
2: that you just Got done gushing over. <laughs> well, I guess I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna make a bet here and say that this number five guy that I have on my list, y'all have him on his on your list as well, but I'm probably gonna have him at five where y'all are gonna have him closer to one. And uh, his name's CeeDee Lamb. And uh the the reason why I have CD Lamb there is and I guess to me, I'm so accustomed to those, you know, those 10, 10 reception games, 150 yards, you know, like those monster games. And here's the thing: Was he effective? Yes. Did he score a touchdown? Yes. Of course he did. Like he, it's it's Ceedee Lamb, but his numbers his numbers weren't that gaudy. I mean, against a what I call a porous Philadelphia Eagles secondary, outside of uh, Slay. I mean, he doesn't go by anything else now, apparently. But uh, you know, besides you know besides can Slay, call him Darius.
1: Yeah, After Darius. Loss, it's <laughs> Darius.
2: Yeah, Darius. Yeah. So D- you know Darius is like their only like legit you know in in my opinion uh, cover guy. So and, and here's the thing. CD pretty much, I mean, six for 71 and a touchdown. I mean, those are decent numbers. If you got him in fantasy football, like I do, but it's not like, it, it's not the numbers I'm been accustomed to. I had to put him in, at five because he still had a heck of a game. Like he was still very effective. He did his job and he, you know, he, he was very explosive when he had the ball in his hands, but by recent CD standards, it just wasn't, it wasn't his, you know, it wasn't his, you know, best game. And here's the thing. You know, C. D. Lamb at this point, he's on pace for 1,700 yards plus on the year receiving. He's on pace for over 10 touchdowns. Like he's the unquestioned number one receiver. But I had to put him at five because, based on recent recent history and stats, this wasn't his best game. Yeah.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Um, Chris, did
0: you, I, did
1: you have CD higher?
0: I actually didn't have CD on my list. Oh, so geez,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: no. Um,
1: <laughs> Controversy.
0: Yeah, 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 no. I think that CD, you know, like obviously played great, but it's just kind of what I think Cowboys fans are expecting at this point. Like, Like, to me, he didn't jump off the tape in terms of, you know, really being that, you know, go-to playmaker throughout the entire game. I mean, like, just to put in perspective, I think last game against the Eagles, he had 11 receptions for 191 yards. Like that, you know, like if we were doing the top five from that game, I'm putting CD um, really close to um, – I'm, I'm, I'm probably putting him at one or two. But in this specific situation, I actually didn't choose to include him on the list, and that's not to, you know, say anything bad about him. He also played a great game. I just – I've come to expect – that as like the, the, uh, I've come to expect that as like the baseline for CD lamb. And like, that's a really good thing that shows that he's living up to that 88 number and that he's a true number one receiver in the league. And I think he solidified himself as a top five receiver. And this year he's playing as a top three receiver.
1: Agreed. Well, I, Brandon, I, I hate to break it to you, but you are going to lose your bet. Cause I also did not have CD in my top five. Wow. Pretty much for the same reasons Chris said, which is this is, I mean, CD has been so phenomenal this year that he has raised the bar to where the stat line he put up against the Eagles, it's it's not that it's not good enough, but it, it doesn't really wow you anymore. Like you you expect phenomenal from him, and he merely gave you great, which is a good problem to have. Um, and, and of course, if we really wanted to to pick nits here, of course he had that one big play where he you know dropped the ball. And you know he had a couple of drops against the Seahawks as well, so I'm hoping that that he can kind of get a little more focused up, especially because they're going to need some big plays from him against the Bills playing in the cold. Um, Brandon, you might know something
2: about that. Who, who knows? I don't know where you live. Well, here's here's the funny uh, thing about that though, really quick. Yeah, I mean the forecast. It is uh, New York, and uh, you know as a native New Yorker, the forecast changes all the time. Uh, they're calling for you know 40 to 50, uh, 40 to 50 temperatures. So you know it's not bad in in, the, in, in not December. Bad. So. That's yeah, not bad, yeah. and
0: it makes me feel better about the Cowboys' chances in that game as well. Um, I honestly, as a North Carolinian, I haven't seen many snow. I don't think I've seen a single snow game in the NFL in person. You know, because a lot of the games I went to as a fan um, um, were the Carolina Panthers. Not because I was a fan, but just you know, it's you know, it's local, it's easy to close go. By. You know? yeah. yeah, it's close by. And I was kind of hoping for a snow game just because it would have been great. You know, I'm excited to go with you to um, that game. Um, I can't wait. Right. I can't go wait to see you and, you know, meet you and I um, have fun at that game. It's going to be a fun time. Hopefully it's a win. I know we're going to go get some wings. I may disappoint you, but not a blue cheese guys uh, or, I'm not a blue cheese guy at all. I'm going to be all ranch all day. So, and I that's, know that's, uh, a that's like, yeah, in Buffalo. That,
2: you know okay. what, Here, here's the thing. Here's, here's a hot take. And I, you know, I'll get a lot of flack from my fellow central New York and upstate New York folks. I, I'm actually not I just eat the wings. I don't do blue cheese, I don't do ranch. I don't do any No, de- no. Wow. No. No you a on really, really good barbecue wing. Just a really good barbecue wing. As long as it's crispy but not dry, it's like, you know, there's a there's a there's a degree here of that. Like you can All have right. crispy but not dry and it's just it's perfection. We're going to show you we're going to show you some good wings in uh, in in New also, York. I work
0: in pizza too though cuz I love pizza and so far I've had some really good pizzas since I moved up here and um, I'm a big fan of New York pizza so far.
2: And Howman, Howman, I know for you, it's, uh, you know, you know, I mean, for you, I don't think you've been to, you know, you're an Arizona State guy. So I'm going to guess you haven't been to games below 85 degrees out in Arizona. So like, it's a whole different thing for you.
1: I I mean, I've traveled on the road to a few games. (laughs) I've had my fair share of some cold games. Um, Certainly not as cold cold as it'll be in 60. What's cold uh, for you? 60, 65? Is that cold? Well, back in 2019, I went to the Cowboys Bears game in Chicago on Thursday Night Football, second week of December. That was pretty cold. I, I do think even even if the Cowboys get lucky, it'll be a little bit colder in Buffalo. So they're going to need Ceedee Lamb to make some big plays to play his way onto Chris and I's top five list. Apparently. Um, but he did come up just short for me. Nothing like just like with Tony Pollard. No disrespect to him. Love what he's been doing this year, but Coming in at five for me was uh, also maybe controversial, maybe surprising. But for me, number five was Dak Prescott. And this was a guy that I really wanted to put higher just because I've been a, a huge fan of Dak for since he came into league. Really, since before then, I loved watching him in Mississippi State. Um, but we talked about it at the beginning, like he played well, but similar to CD. Like he didn't play to his standards. He can play better than that. Um, but also, I think, you know, he this this was. a a game where it, especially in the first half, he showed just what he's capable of. He had some of those, those big throws where it's like, you know, when he ropes it down the seam to Jake Ferguson, like there's, there's no better duo right now. Um, and so even though it wasn't his best game and, and, you know, you could even argue maybe it's his worst game of this current stretch since the bye week Um, but I think he was deserving of that top five spot, but each of the four guys ahead of them on my list, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, those were guys that kind of th- their performances surprised me more whereas with Dak kind of like what we were talking about with CD I expect, you know, greatness from him and and he was great but
2: like he didn't wow me the way the other guys did. Jeez, man I mean Howman I I got Dak at 3. I mean I I mean I guess I'm all over the place versus you guys. I mean, here's the thing, like Dak didn't Dak didn't do like, you know, 350, you know, four touchdowns, you know, you know, 75% completion percentage but he played well. He played efficient. Like he was throwing, I think, you know, according to my numbers here and you know, my math's usually pretty good, you know, 60, 61 and a half percent completion percentage, two touchdowns, 271 yards and zero interceptions. Like to me, that's the big thing because interceptions are, you know, one of those things where you you hear the comparison, you know, Bills fans that we're going to be, you know, uh, Holiday and I are going to be meeting uh, face to face in the next few days. They're saying Josh Allen's still MVP, but I'm like, he throws more picks than everybody, any just about everybody in the league. Dak has been really great with the ball. Like, yeah, I know he had that one play where you know, Co- you know, Fletcher Cox got him pretty good, and he he lost the ball, he fumbled it. Jalen Carter scoops and scores. That was the only negative, you know, play that I saw from Dak the entire game. So I, that's the reason why I didn't have him higher, honestly. Like I would have put him higher if he didn't have that fumble, but I can't I can't put a guy in there where at number one. Where he, you know, there's a turnover that led to some momentum for the Eagles for about, you know, 30 seconds. But, you know, overall, Dak, Dak played very well. He moved around in the pocket like that. That one, that pass to Ceedee Lamb, where he, you know, he went, he rolled to his left. He's a right-handed quarterback. That's not easy. So when everybody gives him a hard time about doing those hip moves before the pre, you know, in the pre games, that's why he does those things because he gets his hips just right. And he threw a dot to, to CD lamb. So, you know, Dak Prescott to me, you know, he's, he's rolling right now and he's, you know, and it wasn't his best game, but it was a really good game against a really good Philadelphia Eagles team. So for me, I had to put him at three.
0: I actually have him the highest. I have him at two. Um, yeah,
1: Yeah. I I, I dig it.
0: I have him at two. Um, I know he didn't, you know, have a 400 yard passing yet, you know, day didn't throw for four or five touchdowns, but I think he really was in control of the offense throughout the entire game. And I know that he had that one um, a fumble that was returned for the touchdown, and it was the only touchdown that, that the Eagles scored all game. But, you know, like those things happen. I think that that's more on the offensive line. Um, it, it's really hard to take care of that football when you don't know the player is there until he's already on you. Um and yeah, no, I really think I mean, he was able to move the ball pretty much however he wanted to throughout the game. I felt like I know that in that second half, you know, the offense did come out, you know, you know a little bit dry um uh, um compared to that first half, but I think that Dak Prescott showed up. He showed up on primetime against the Philadelphia Eagles which which he owns. He's now 9 and 4 against them in his career. And, you know, he he, he continues to show that he owns th- that franchise as well as the whole division his um a division record is just off the charts at this point um and yeah so i think that you know dak didn't have the best 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 statistical game ever but i think that he was in control throughout the entire game and um he really i really do believe he distanced himself in that mvp race between him and jalen hurts he looked like the far the, um the far greater quarterback throughout that entire game
1: well, I love hearing the praise from uh, from both of you about Dak Prescott. I I do have to I'm gonna have to take a moment to like just reflect. For me being the one that's that's the least praising of him, uh, given how much of my own reputation I've staked on him. Um, but uh, but while while I take a moment to be introspective about that, let's go back around the horn. Let's get everybody's number four.
2: Uh, we haven't gotten to anybody's fourth place player, right? Yeah. No, I, um... No, did we get number 4 cuz I think I, was gonna say, I think Chris you had you had Pollard at 5
0: I had Pollard at um, 5.
2: And then Halman had uh, Dak you know, Dac at 5. But and I then mean, I was going to say had nobody had 4. I haven't heard the number 4 yet. So I think I think we're good at 4. I mean, uh, Chris, you want to give us your number 4?
0: Yeah, sure. My number 4 is actually Micah Parsons and, you know, I know that he um came in with the flu. And it's been reported to um, – as of Monday, it was reported that he had a 103-degree fever on Saturday night. And I typically run a low temperature, and I can't imagine having a 103-fever. I would be in the hospital. It sucks. IV'd, yeah, like I would – so so for him to come out and, and like, honestly, it showed him, you know – um, um uh, it, it showed him at the beginning of the game, um, you know, on the sideline getting oxygen. But, I mean, he – he was in the zone throughout the game. It didn't really look like he had the flu during the game. He beat Lane Johnson multiple times, especially on that sack that he had. And honestly too, you know, it's the same story every game and it's going to continue to be my, my biggest pet peeve throughout the entire NFL. It doesn't matter what week who's playing, what, you know, you know, whatnot. He gets mauled at the line of scrimmage every single game and they just refuse to throw a flag. It's actually utterly ridiculous. Um, I think that Michael Gelkin, he reported that's he has only uh, drawn two holding penalties all year long. That is ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah. He, he should draw two holding penalties a half at the least. If we're really being honest on what a holding is. And um, he hasn't gotten one call over the last six games. That's just ridiculous. Cause he's getting put in a chokehold. He's getting put um, in a headlock. He's doing all these different things. He is, he, He's being mauled at the line of scrimmage, and you know he's still getting past the um, offensive lineman, whether it's by his strength, whether it's by his speed. It doesn't matter, and he became the second player in NFL history to get 12 plus sacks in in uh, each of his first three seasons, joining a really big name in Reggie White. I mean, it doesn't get much bigger in, in terms of a pass rusher than um, that, and and so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So so I think that Micah Parsons you know, again, it wasn't necessarily his best game of his career, but I think he deserves a lot of credit. And honestly, I think this is the lowest I've had him on any of our top fives. And he still had a tremendous game um, from just a regular NFL player standpoint. And he did it with the flu while being held. And, you know, even with, with um, him only getting one sack, you know, it's the same story. Every game he's getting in the backfield very quickly. Um, he's, he, he He's um, really messing up the offensive rhythm. He's making Jalen Hurts uncomfortable, and I think that's the biggest key, and honestly, I think that that's going to be the biggest key heading forward as well. I'm not trying to look too far ahead, but, you know, I think a big key is going to have going to be having Josh Allen uncomfortable. It's going to be huge to have um, Tua well uncomfortable, especially with their weapons that, that that they have. They have so much speed, and I think that that could pose um, – pose a matchup problem with our secondary with Stephon Gilmore. Stefan Gilmore is great when it comes to covering bigger receivers, but I think, you know, he is a little older. He may struggle to keep up with a Jalen Waddle or a Tyreek Hill. So Micah Parsons getting in that backfield really, really quickly is going to be so valuable to the team. And I think that his value, I think he's the best player on this team. I know that Dak's in the MVP race, but Micah just makes everything go. And, Um, as of right now, according to uh, DraftKings, he is the favorite to win defensive player of the year. I think realistically, he definitely is the best defensive player in the NFL, but I'm going to stand by it. I still do believe that Deron Bland deserves the award. He's having a historic all-time great season. And, you know, if we're just talking about this season alone, Deron Bland, but in this game, I don't have Deron Bland in my top five. I do have Micah Parsons in my top five. He's my number four spot.
2: That's, I mean, that's a good pick. And, And here's the thing. Y'all are gonna call me probably the hater now because uh, I don't have Michael Parsons on my list. Uh, I just I just don't. I you know I love you know I you know I love that you know the flu you know you know he played he did the Michael Jordan the flu game so you know he he played really well and uh, I do love the comparison to the late great legendary Reggie White the minister of defense like he was you know I'm, I'm like again I'm the elder statesman of the group I got to watch Reggie White for a long time you know, he was just a hell of a player. He, you know, he was a great, just a great, uh, just a a great talent. And by the way, he, to me, he's the greatest, he's the greatest sack artist of all time. I know Bruce Smith has the record for most sacks with 200 Reggie white has 198. So he's got two less, but it took him three less years to do it. That's how good Reggie white was, you know, and, you know, and and that's the thing, you know, he played for the Packers. He also was drafted by the Eagles you know, I will give respect all day long to a guy like Reggie white, like for what he did for the game, he was a, a, a talent and he was a, you know, he's a guy that we lost way too soon in his early forties. So we, we lost him. It's been almost 20 years since we lost, lost Reggie. So he, you know, Philadelphia off ego or not, you got to respect game and, you know, the beyond the chart might like Micah Parsons has, you know, you know, last night with, with a guy like Reggie white that, you know, that puts him in a, in a category unlike anybody else, but you know, given that, you know, we had the, you know, we had the flu and everything it's, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't his best game. So you know, I just, you know, the stat sheet is what it is. We know how it is. He gets held in every play. We get that. But to me, it just wasn't his, you know, his best game. I just, I couldn't put him in my top five, but I will say though, it was good to see the referees calling Lane Johnson for false starts. It's been a thing I've been waiting for all season. So that was when I saw the referee call on, on, you know, calling a false start on Lane Johnson. I'm like, Oh my God, this is great. This is what I love to see. So but, yeah, Micah Parsons, you know, I can't argue with him being on anyone's top five every single week. I personally did not have him on here this week. I just I just couldn't put him on my list. But you know how much I love the unicorn, the, the lion. He's a hell of a player. Now, I got to ask Howman, did you have Micah on your five this week?
1: I did not have Micah on my five either. And it was the same situation of, like, I mean, like with CD, like with Dak, it's, you know, you you expect absolute elite production. And he played great, but, like, you know, when you're the one of the very best players in, in all of football, you know, it, it's it's hard to meet that standard every single week. Um, but uh, for, for me, I, and this, this might really ignite controversy, but for me, at number four, I had uh, the best kicker in football, Brandon Aubrey. Wow. I, I had him at number four. And um, I mean, we can, we we all love Brandon Aubrey. We all love Brandons in general. All Brandons are great. I think that's the truth. I concur but, with that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, unbiased I'm sure but Brandon Aubrey in this game he he made all of his field goals his very first one, he comes out and it's a 60 yarder which you know if if he makes it it's his career long and I'm watching this and thinking man like he's he's gonna blow his streak right here because a 60 yarder is hard no matter who you are and as soon as he kicked it you know like that thing was not only good he could have made that from from potentially as far as 70 like he had a whole lot of whole lot of force behind that he made history, first first kicker to make his first first 30 field goal attempts. He also became the first kicker in NFL history to hit two field goals from 59-plus yards in the same game. Later on in the game, he hit 59, hit a few 50-yarders in this game, and and did it with ease on each, each and every one of them right down the middle, plenty of room to spare. And, uh, I mean, it, there's no question the Cowboys have the best kicker in the league right now, one of the best kickers overall. And it's it's been such a fun story for him, um, you know, with with his story being a, a Texas native, starting out in soccer, finding his way to football, and and the trials and tribulations he went through in, in training camp where Chris and myself were calling for other guys because he wasn't he wasn't playing the best in preseason, yeah. and and then it gets to the regular season and he turns it on, so he's earned my trust completely. He had a great game against the Eagles. Uh, he was he was number four for me, and really the reason he wasn't higher is because I have a hard time giving too much love to a kicker. Um, All due respect, but you're only on the field for that many, so many plays. And some of the guys ahead of him, I thought made just a slightly bigger impact, but I do love Brandon Aubrey. Uh, Chris, did you have him on your list? Are you thinking I'm foolish for having him this low?
0: I guess we're going to play the big spoiler. I had him at number one. (laughs) And, And I know I've never once thought that I would ever put a kicker at the number one spot of my top five in-game rankings. But I mean, you said it, he made history. He's the first kicker to make two fifty-nine plus yarders in a single game. And and he did it with ease on both of them. They both could have gone for much um much, much farther. Um, it was right down the middle. And two, I think that's huge too. I mean, obviously, it was really gutsy by Mike McCarthy because if he's a normal human and he's not You know, just superior to every single other kicker in the NFL, and he misses those kicks. It gives Jalen Hurts great field position. It could completely change the outcome of the game. I mean, at least it could change the momentum of the game. It gives you know the Eagles short field, and you know there's just a lot of implications that that, um, that that could have been brought into play if he misses those field goals. I, to me personally, it's hard to argue that that I can't put him number one after. I mean like he got me 22 fantasy points. Like <laughs> I mean, you know, I hate to just me talk too. about fantasy, but you know, like he carried me. And so yeah, no, he's he, I mean, like he's incredible and thank God I was wrong. Um I think my logic for not wanting to roll with him at the beginning of the season was sound. Um he had never, you know, you know, um kicked a field goal in college, he had never kicked a field goal in the NFL, you know, and um he was a software engineer at one point right before being in the um being um you know in the um uh, um what's it called I'm losing it the um, USFL. USFL. yeah 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 um and so and so you know you know for me personally I wanted somebody who was a reliable veteran someone who we could trust you know Robbie gold had been perfect in the playoffs and and you know he did submit his retirement recently so he will end his career as being perfect in the playoffs but yeah no I I'm sorry I was wrong about that instead you know, instead of getting a sound, you know, a sound reliable veteran kicker, we got the next Justin Tucker, maybe even better. I'm going to be, you know, that bold. Still, I do have to admit, though, I am a little worried still because, you know, we got to see how he performs in the playoffs. And as good as he's been, he is 30 for 30. Um, I want to see how he responds to a miss because there's no way he's going to go his entire NFL career you know, perfect on field goals. If he is, then know. I was about to say, here's like, if it happens, then he's the undisputed goat, but, um, but yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see how it all affects his mental. Cause I think that's really what it's about when you are a kicker. Um, It's really, you know, like your own confidence, your own, you know, mental state. And I think we saw that with Brett Maher. He had a tremendous season last year with the Cowboys. And, you know, we all thought that the Cowboys had found their kicker mm-hmm. of the future and, missed four straight extra points in unprecedented fashion in the wild card. Thankfully it didn't hurt the Cowboys because, you know, Tom Brady was washed um, and um, when we sent him into retirement, but um, yeah, no, I still, you know, I'm happy that uh, Brett Maher is on this team and I'm super happy that I was wrong. And I think that he was the, the best player. Um, if you're just talking about being successful at your position there's nobody who's been more successful at their position in the NFL this year than than um, our kicker it, 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 um, with the Dallas Cowboys. So yeah, so I'm so happy to have him, and Brandon. it's just good to have another Brandon who's you know you know you know such an impact on the Cowboys world.
1: Uh, of Brandon, course, I, yeah. as someone who shares the namesake, are, are we obviously I had him probably way too low. Chris had him all the way at the top. Yeah, where did you have him?
2: Well, you know, it, it, I got to have some fun with this guys. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to share it yet. I want to, I, I want to make our listeners wait a little bit longer for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where I potentially may or may not have had Brandon Aubrey, you know, Chris, Chris showed his cards on that one. Did. You know, when I play poker, I don't show my hand after winning. So I just, you know, I just, just played
0: play. poker for the first time in my life on Sunday and I won. I ended up beginners, being beginners balance. luck, beginners, beginners luck. luck. <laughs>
2: But I, I never, never, I never show my hand when I win. So, you know, I'll, I'm going to wait, you know, he, you know, he is higher on my list. I guess y'all are just can't have to wait and see and find out. So uh, why don't we move on to, uh, to number four and I'm just going to go with my number four right now. It's Jake Ferguson, baby. You know, my, my tight end one is my number four. You know, he, you know, he, he led, you know, he, he led all Cowboys in receiving. He had 72 yards. I know that's not a big number but that's a good game for Jake Ferguson. He finished third in receptions uh, this past week with five. And here's my thing. Dak loves to go to him on third downs. There was a crucial third down where it was the, the drive prior is the where, where Dak fumbled the ball, Jalen Carter scoops and scores, and then the Cowboys get it back. And then they're, you know, they're at mid, just, just about midfield. They're, they're, you know, they're in that, you know, that area of the field where, you know, they need to make a play. And it was, it was a, you know, it was a third and medium, I believe off the top of my head. And Dak, Dak, trust him. And he, he threw it and he threw a dart. Fergie just caught a pass, like caught that pass. I'm like, he just ripped that baby out of the air. And he just like, he just, he was like, nobody's getting this ball. It was a phenomenal grab. He got it for 32 yards, got the Cowboys into some good range for some future points on that drive. I mean, he, you know, that was, to me, that was one of the turning points of the game for me, because when Jalen Carter, you know, scooped and scored, there was a split second, you know, for, you know, split, you know, time frame where I was like, Oh no, my head starts scratching. I'm like, what is going on here? And the Cowboys are doing what they're doing here. Like, are they going to give this away? Are we going to give the, you know, the Eagles, you know, the momentum that they needed. And then Jake Ferguson on third down goes for 30 plus yards and, you know, makes a great play. So, you know, Fergie Fergie is, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's our, he's our number two guy right now in the receiving department. Like he's, He's doing everything he can. He's, you know, he's the, he's the outlet. And, and I don't care what I, I said it on Twitter. I don't know if people, you know, people can roast me all they want. You know, people, I, you know, people were comparing Ferguson to, to, uh, to Jason Witten, one of the greatest tight ends of all time play for the Cowboys. But to me, he's more Travis Kelsey than he is Jason, Jason Witten. And that's, and, and that's not a diss on Jason Witten, but Fergie's just that much better of an athlete that leap that he always does in every single game. Like Jake Ferguson's just rolling right now. I had him at number four. I'll let you guys debate, you know, where's, where's Fergie on your list? Well, I, I love the con- the comparison to Travis
1: Kelsey, because the Cowboys like the chiefs also have their own receiver who has lined up offsides in the past and been called for it in Jalen Tolbert. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe we've got to play cooking where they throw to Ferguson and he laterals <laughs> it to, to Jalen Tolbert. Without I don't know if that's going to happen. What was that?
0: I, I said without the offsides.
1: Yes. Yeah. Without the yeah. offsides, he learned his lesson. Jalen Tolbert knows what he's doing now um I, I, I love i love fergie i didn't he did not make my list either um and it was Oof. another one where i was just like oh man this is tough because i love fergie the 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 attitude the energy he brings to the to the field the way that he plays it's just so much fun and it was another one really tough to leave him off of my list chris you make yours
0: jake ferguson is a dog he is a certified dog. However, verbiage you want to say, he's him. He's everything. He's a stud. He brings the energy. He had some beautiful cleats on uh, on Sunday night. I don't know if you saw. He had the Jordans. They looked beautiful.
2: They were clean. You know, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. No. Super clean. He was making defenders look silly. I don't know why they keep going for his knees. You got to respect the uh, the the um hops. You know. He's that guy. He does remind me a lot of Travis Kelsey running down the field. Um. However, he was not on my list either. <laughs> wow and Man, i know y'all,
2: y'all are cooking tonight what is going I on know, hey. i know
0: i know Ooh. i know he was he was not on my list and i knew that that would be a pretty debated topic so yeah so our list seemed to be pretty different i didn't have cd lamb or jake ferguson and yeah. somehow i picked tony pollard and you know some people are gonna call me crazy for for you know saying that because you know if you just look at the stat sheet it probably doesn't make sense but You know i really do believe that tony pollard had a huge impact even though it may not show um and you know again like i think you know jake ferguson stud as i've said you know he was able to do a lot of things I did have a parlay that involved him scoring a touchdown and that was the one leg that missed on it. And guess what? He dropped the touchdown on that. Um, a little, um, what was it? Second and one uh, at the goal line, you know, like so the that's little why line. you didn't
1: make your list.
0: That's why I didn't make my list. I'm a little Better. bit, um, you, know, you know, um, I definitely hold a grudge when it comes to my money. So yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, uh, you know, just misses it, but I'm super excited about it again. Um, you know, it just sticks to my point that we didn't need to, you know, see the Cowboys draft tight end in the second round. And honestly, I agree. and honestly, I'll go as far as this too. They didn't need to draft Sam LaPorta in the first round either. They didn't need to do it because I know Sam LaPorta's got all the stats right now. He's cooking. Jake Ferguson's got that natural talent as well. Dak Prescott just has other weapons as well that he's feeding too. Let Jake Ferguson get in his prime. He's just now getting there. When Jake Ferguson is in his prime, he's going to be the new 87 at the tight end position dominating the league. I feel confident. Well, yeah, we,
1: we, we can go back and forth on <laughs> Sam Laporta and in a few weeks, we'll have perfect opportunity to yeah, win the Cowboys yes, face the lions. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a tough one for me for sure. Um, but we, we have players to get to still on our list. Uh, my number three player is someone that I almost had a number two. I initially had him in number two and I bumped him down a spot, but it was Stefan Gilmore uh, who, who drew the um, unenviable task of covering AJ Brown. And you know, when you when you look at A.J. Brown's stats, you know, he, he was just short of 100 yards, had like by his standards, had a pretty good game, but he didn't take over the game. He didn't have those big plays. He didn't score a touchdown. Of course, nobody on the Eagles scored a touchdown, at least not on their offense. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was actually the first time all year that the Eagles offense hasn't scored a touchdown at all in the game, um, which is a pretty good testament to this defense. Stephon Gilmore was covering a really talented receiver, one of the best in the league. And even though he didn't completely shut him down, he contained him. He was able to force some incompletions. He was able to get in A.J. Brown's head, which is a big deal. You could tell the guy was flustered in the second half. And, of course, he had that play where even though he gives up the completion, he stays in it because Gilmore is a veteran. He knows that the play's never over. He's able to knock the ball out. And it was just, like, poetic justice that, you know, in the first game against the Eagles, the Cowboys had, like, zero takeaways. The Eagles fumbled three times and they recovered all three of them. What are the odds? And then in this game, three fumbles and they lost all three of them. And and Stephon Gilmore was was the one who made one of those happen. So, uh, Gilly was was number three for me. Um, and uh, I'm sure that that we all have of words of affirmation for Stephon Gilmore. Brandon, what about you?
2: Yeah, uh, actually, Gilly the Gilly Lock baby on Twitter, uh, number two. I got him number two on mine. Uh, Stefan Gilmore, just, he just absolutely balled out. So he, you know, he's my number two. I was, I was, I was going back and forth. I was like three, two, like I couldn't put him at one, uh, because I did reserve that for somebody. We can all do the math here in just a minute. You know, I don't want to, you know, listeners, if you're, you know, following along here and, and telling things up, I think, you know, where I'm going here, but we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. But yeah, Gilly, Gilly was just rolling. I mean, he, you know, he forced that fumble on AJ Brown. That was a heck of a play. And I just love the fact that after the game, he comes out and says. You know, AJ Brown at the beginning of the actual game called him old. Why would you poke the bear, AJ Brown? Like, why would you poke a guy who was the a former defensive player of the year like Gilly and and, and, and do that? So that like it lit a fire under under uh, Stefan Gilmore. And I'm so glad it did because he led the team in tackles. He had to me one of the another crucial play, which was on a fourth down, where a great open field tackle on a on a very I call him the I call him a jitterbug because he's just so electric and he's just he, he he's hard to get down. On a fourth down, he tackled Devonte Smith. So like like that was that was a great play. And here's the thing, Philly Philly uh, bet wrong this week. They they didn't give Daron Bland a lot of targets. I think he only had three targets his way. And they were like, oh, we're gonna cook Gilly all game long. And guess what? Gilly said nope. Gilly locked it up and he had a heck of a game. He looked he looked a lot like his top 10 cornerback self with a top 10 cornerback performance. It was a flash in the pan from his Patriots days. A heck of a performance. I got him at two this week.
0: Yeah. Um, great minds think alike. I have him at three um, going to David's uh, ranking. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really nice. You know, like all the talk has been about Deron Bland throughout this season and I mean like rightfully so. He's breaking records. He's really made that second year jump. But Stefan Gilmore has been, I believe, a very reliable, um, you know, you know, you know, second corner across from him. And I think that's what the Cowboys intended on him being when they brought him in. They intended on him being that cornerback two across from Trayvon Diggs. And then Trayvon Diggs went down and Daron Blaine kind of stepped up. And I think Gilmore brings a veteran presence and a veteran leadership that the Cowboys have really been missing in the secondary. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I just think about around this time last year, you had, um, uh, um, you had Kelvin Joseph getting beat, you know, big in the Jaguars game, you know, um, you had all these cornerbacks, you know, like the Cowboys were picking up cornerbacks off the street, trying to find an answer outside of Trayvon Diggs and De'Ron Bland. And Stephon Gilmore has just brought that. And I really believe that Deron Bland probably isn't having this season. If Stefan um, Gilmore isn't in that locker room, I'm sure he's coaching him up a ton, and I'm sure that he's really influencing his development and his growth. And, you know, I believe that it's a really good thing to have him there as well because I think he matches up much better against those bigger wide receivers. I do. I think that he really knows how to position himself. He knows. You know, I I think he's probably one of the smartest cornerbacks in the league. You know, I think you have to be to win defensive player of the year at that position. And, you know, yes, his physical attributes, you know, may not be there, you know, in the same sense that it was in 2019 when he won the award. You know, um, we have seen him get beat a few times on crossing routes throughout this season. But, I mean, he is 33. He's, you know, like he's nearing the end of his career. But he's still playing like an above average borderline elite cornerback this year, in my opinion. And I think that's, you know, I think that that was his best game as a cowboy this year.
1: Yeah. Well said. And, and so we all have him in our top three, which is after all the different disagreements we've had on this list, that's nice that we have something that we more or less agree on.
2: Um, And Holland gave us this whole list already. So he's, he's all checked out at this yeah, point. You're cause... out. You can, you can go home. You can. I did. Yeah, <laughs> no, I did. So I just, did. just to recap <laughs> it really quick, uh, you know, Chris, Chris has Tony Pollard at five, Micah Parsons at four, Stefan Gilmore at three, Dak Prescott at two and Brandon Aubrey at one. So where we're at now is, and Howman still hasn't given two of his players. So let's, let's Howman, let's go to number two for you, my friend. Yeah, let's, let's get it. And I think I can probably
1: guess who, who Brandon's le- last player left mm-hmm. is if, if we just do some math. But I'll go with my number two, um, who has not been mentioned. And, and, and honestly, I'm a little shocked he hasn't been. But Marquise Bell, who I, continues. I had a feeling
0: that that was going to be your answer. I really did, because I know you're all big on the PFF. And I saw that he had, what, like a 91 grade or something?
1: Did yeah, he was, he was the highest graded player yeah. on, for the whole game. Um, I thought I about it. Him. I really
0: did. But...
1: Yeah. And, and I, I mean, it's, it's not, I'll clarify. It's not just because of the PFF grade mm-hmm. that that to me kind of seeing that player grade for him backs up what I saw when watching the game, which is this dude is flying all over the field. And I think we just, we don't really put into context enough the, the like how hard it is to be playing safety and going into your second year, you're just starting to get comfortable in the scheme and starting to understand where you're supposed to be as a safety. And then they say, now go into this other room with all these other guys, with a different coach, play a different position, and also you're going to be playing a whole lot of snaps. And then to not only do that, but respond the way that he has and perform the way that he has. And then on top of that, have a very public uh, team pursuit of another player at your position by the name of Shaq Leonard. And they bring him in, and they're talking about, you know, we, we want him. You know, he checked out with the medicals. Like, he's going to go to Philly. He's going to make up his mind, and we're just kind of waiting on him. And the ball was in Shaq Leonard's court. And Marquise Bello is sitting there like, man, what did I do wrong? Like, I'm I'm balling out. And then, of course, Shaq signs with the Eagles. Then they play the Eagles. Shaq goes in and, and is making his Eagles debut. And, uh, I mean, he, he played. He, he didn't do great. He didn't do well. I wonder if
0: he still thinks he made the right decision.
1: I'm, I mean <laughs> – who knows? <laughs> but I can tell you that the linebacker who had the last laugh in that game was Marquis Bell, because and I don't know if it was the thing that motivated him or what, but going into this game with all the, the narrative around that position, with the fact that the Cowboys quote unquote lost out on Shaq Leonard for Marquis Bell to play that way and have the game that he did, um, I think totally deserves its flowers. He's been he's been such a good coverage linebacker, which you expect from a guy who plays safety. But he's also shown his ability as a run stopper. He's able to, to go up and get physical with these tight ends, get phys- physical with these offensive linemen, and he's able to play like a linebacker. He doesn't look like a safety who just shifted over to a linebacker. He looks like a linebacker, and he deserves his flowers, especially for weathering the storm that was the Shaq Leonard pursuit.
2: So for me, he was at number two. Yeah, Marquise. Here's the thing I've been a big fan of Marquise Bell from even like that, as soon as he got uh, picked up by the Cowboys as an undrafted free agent. Out of out of Florida A and M, like I knew how good that kid was. Like I I saw him at the FCS level, just dominate. He was a dog. Like he, I believe I believe he was one of the top players in the in in the league there in, in the FCS for a couple of years. Like he he was a dude that was he had SEC level skills playing in the playing in the FCS. Like he was that good of a football player, and you know for the Cowboys to get him as an undrafted player was absolutely insane you know, you know, you know, I wrote an article about that because it was actually one of my first articles that I ever wrote for blogging the boys, where I called my shot and said, this is the, mo- this is the most likely undrafted free agent on defense to make the team. And guess what? I was right on that one. I've been doing pretty good at these crystal ball things. And I even said it in the article and you can go back and look at it. I'm blogging the boys, you know, and, and, and check it out. And I I, I compared him to a Jamal Adams type player where I felt like he could fit that role of a potential taking over for J Ron curse as like a bigger nickel, you know, type player. Now he's, I didn't expect him to be a linebacker because let's be honest, he's a 205 pound player. He's not a very big guy, but I expected him to be around the line of scrimmage. He's a very quick guy. He runs a four, A lot of people don't realize he's a very fast guy and you know, he has the skills that he likes to go downhill and just lay people out. So I wasn't surprised that he was going to be in the box like that. I figured he'd be more of a big nickel, like a third safety, like what J. Ron Curse is known for. But, you know, the transition has been pretty simple for him, I feel like. And it's not – and I say simple because, you know, of the player that he is. But obviously, like you said, you know, he had to go from one part of the, you know, a, a position room to another. Like he went from the safety, the, the secondary room, to the linebacking room. You know, he made the transition very well. And he's just he's just been a tremendous player for them uh, for the boys this year. And I actually had him at number six. Like he was on, he was close. He was close. No doubt. I'm not, no, no, uh, no, no, no frills here. Like it was all, you know, all, all real on this one. He was, he was six for me. I'm a big Marquise bell guy. He, you know, he's, he's solidified himself on this roster long-term. I, I just, I, I can't wait to see what the future holds. And by the way, great peanut punch, you know, the Charles mm-hmm. peanut Tillman punch, uh shout out to shout out to, uh, uh you know, uh, peanut Tillman for the peanut punch. Marquise Bell executed it perfectly and a game sealer on Devontae, Ad- or De- Devontae Smith on that. It was a hell of a play. Well,
1: granted, I, I, everything you say is well said. I do want to point out, for the record, officially, technically, having him at six doesn't count. We do our top five.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so
1: you don't get the brownie points with Marquise Bell. Um, <laughs> to your point, though, about how good he was in college, he actually, he, he's, he's from Bridgeton, New Jersey. I'm sure you know where Bridgeton is. Um, but uh, he, he oh, in, in high school he was a star player. He had offers from a bunch of big schools, including Ohio State. He committed to Maryland. Uh, ended up leaving the school for disciplinary reasons. Played a year in, at the JUCO level. Yep. Um, and then went to Florida A&M. Uh, three years there, only two of them he actually played because of uh, the COVID season was canceled. But both years that he did play, at Florida a and he was he had all conference honors. So this is a guy. To your point that was dominating at the FCS level, could have played at the Power Five level, at the Big Ten level. Um, and and now we're seeing that talent come to fruition here in Dallas. Very, very excited about it. Um, and with that, we're going to also pivot into the, the number one uh, player. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to go first because I, I think it's fitting to end with whoever I'm pretty sure Brandon has at his number one uh, because he deserves it. But uh, but for me, number one, and this is exactly how I wrote it down on my list, Mike McCarthy (parentheses, no appendix necessary) because to have your head coach uh, in the middle of one of the biggest games of the season. Let's let's be real. I mean, they they you know they had the first Eagles game, they had the 49ers game, but this game set up so well for them because they've been on this run. The offense is playing great. People are finally starting to give Mike McCarthy his flowers as a play caller, and then in uh i w- i forget if it was uh tuesday or wednesday i think it was wednesday out of nowhere he he has stomach pains he has to go get emergency surgery and i know people are gonna say like oh appendectomy it's like you know it's not that bad it's still surgery like they they took something out of you like let's be real if, if that was me and i had surgery i would milk that for all it was worth and be like oh i gotta take two weeks off of work like i can't i barely survived and mike was like all right let's get back to practice let's do this thing I'm standing on the sideline. And I mean, that's dangerous. We've seen collisions happen all the time. Like he could have been hit and that hurts even if you're not, you know, a few days out of surgery and to, to do all of that and and go through that adversity, just, just epitomizes what he wants this locker room to be, what he wants this team to be, what we've seen this team become with Mike McCarthy at the head. And then on top of that, he calls a great game. The offense was, was phenomenal in the first half. They jumped out to a, a, a big lead, and as the coach, I mean, he had that that early fourth down where they went for it, and it was a good call. And then they also had he challenged the the non touchdown, where it was very obviously a touchdown. Like he was on his game, and you talked about Micah Parsons having his flu game. Mike McCarthy had his appendix game, and it was a it was a sight to behold. So I had to give the head coach uh, the top spot there because, I mean, again, like maybe I'm maybe I'm just overrating it, but The man had surgery and a few days later was on the sideline and just sticking it to the team that had the best record in the NFL coming into it.
0: Hey, listen, all props, all props to Mike McCarthy. You know, he's a warrior and I think that he's done a great job since he's become the coach of the Cowboys. But if I knew that coaches were allowed to be on this list, I would have definitely gone with my man, Dan Quinn. He held the leading MVP candidate heading into the game per most betting sources, to no touchdowns and this
1: is exactly why I didn't tell you you could do okay
0: well Dan Quinn would have (laughs) been on the list So, so 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 I feel a little bit hoodwinked, bamboozled, and led astray. But
2: <laughs> Guys, if you're going to put any coach on this list, where's Al Harris, everybody? Come on, yeah. Al. Ha- Al Harris is doing a heck of a job with the secondary, so come on now. Unfortunately, unfortunately,
0: if there was any coach to not make the list, I think it would be John Bones Fassel because I think that knowing <laughs> knowing the Eagles' uh, tendencies to be aggressive, I think that you had to look for a fake punt scenario in that situation. Well, you, it could also,
1: you could also make the case that John Bones' fossil deserves some mention because of a certain player who he oversees, who he's helped coach.
0: That's fair, but I don't know if he has. I I have
1: a feeling Brandon might have a little bit more to say about this. By the way, Brandon, who's your number one player? Oh,
2: oh, man. I'm so glad you asked, because you know I I didn't want to bury the lead like our Slack chat uh, earlier that uh, this uh, morning. So. Yeah, guys. I mean, it's obvious. If you if you if you stayed, you know, you stayed with us this entire time, which you should have, because it's great great content from our boys here. Here's the thing. It's Brandon Aubrey, baby. Like Brandon Aubrey is number one. So uh, Chris Holland and I, we agree. You know, kickers do matter, baby. And uh, and and just to yeah. add to it, three for three from fifty plus. Obviously, one of those was was a sixty yarder. The other kit, the other uh, kick, because he made four out of four was in the 40 to 49 variety. So all his kicks were legit field goals and they, you know, they were from a quality distance. And just to, and just to put this out there on the season, we already know about the 30 for 30. I mean, it could, you could make an ESPN 30 for 30 about it at this point, because it's just been a heck of a season. They should make a story about Brandon Aubrey and, in in, in in that 30 for 30, you know, uh series that they do at, you know, at, at one of the big networks, the worldwide leader, because his story from where he's been and where he is now, it's just it's just a cool story. They'll probably make a movie about it someday. We'll probably see it somewhere in theaters in 10 years from now. But here's the thing: between that, he's he's missed three PATs. So between the two, and I call him kicks in general because he's kicking the ball, his success rate is 96%. So it's almost a guarantee when he lines up to kick a field goal, whether it's a PAT, whether it's you know it's a field goal attempt itself. of the time, it's going in. It's easy money, and I've been saying this forever. Y'all are already talking about it. Y'all wanted gold. Y'all wanted Crosby. Y'all wanted everybody. Not not my boy, Brandon Aubrey. Brandon, as a fellow Brandon, we love you. Let's keep you here as long as you want to kick field goals, and then you can become a software. You can go back to being an engineer after your playing days are done, hopefully a decade plus from now, because you are eventually – Going to be in the Hall of Fame if you keep doing what you're doing, my friend. I just, you know, thank you as from all of us at Blogging the Boys and Cowboys Nation, Brandon Aubrey, we love you. You are number one in our hearts. Let's keep the train rolling, baby. You tell him,
1: Brandon. That that was that was a great victory lap to take there. Um, two of you had Brandon Aubrey at the top. I had him. Uh, I had him at fourth. So clearly, I am just dead wrong. Um, but, uh, now that we've got our top five players, um, real quick, cause we, cause we are kind of short on time, but looking ahead to, to Buffalo, I know that the, both of you are going to be there. You're going to have your wings. You're going to have all the, the, the blue cheese that, that Chris can afford. Um, but real quick, let's just go around the block real quick. Uh, what, what is the number one thing that you're looking for going into this game? Cowboys related, not, not wings or pizza, but just for, for the game.
0: Go ahead, Chris. Um, I'm looking for a for Jalen Brooks statement game. That's what I'm looking. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, honestly, I think I think um it's gonna have a lot to do with the defense. I really do. Um, I think that this Bills defense does look a little compromised. I know that they held uh, Mahomes in check, but that Chiefs offense has been kind of a struggle bus recently. You know, they just don't really seem to have the weapons um outside of Travis Kelsey. Um, I think that the Cowboys should be able to move the ball very effectively against this Bill's defense. They have probably had more injuries on the defensive side of the ball than any team in the NFL this year, you know, you know, like just across the whole board. So I think that's that should boost his MVP case. Um, I think the biggest key is going to be, you know, just just um, disrupting Josh Allen because we know. We know Josh Allen has the talent. Josh Allen is a top five talent probably at the quarterback position in the NFL, you know, you know, across the league. But when it comes to the decision making, when it comes to, you know, you know, like what he does under pressure, that's what breaks me tries to do a little too much sometimes. And one thing that's great about this Dan Quinn led defense is they're very, very good at creating takeaways and they're very good at getting pressure on the quarterback. I think it's going to be huge. You're going to have to get a huge game from Micah Parsons. I think you're going to have to get a huge game from the inside. You're going to get a big game from Osa. You're going to get a big game from um Uh, um from a tank on the other side and I think that you're going to be kind of put in a position where you can get some takeaways on Josh Allen and kind of limit that passing offense with Stephon Diggs so I think as long as they win the takeaway battle um and uh they get more takeaways than they commit turnovers I think that the Cowboys should be advancing to 11 and 3 and getting a win in Buffalo
2: Uh, Well, I mean, you stole my thunder. I was I was thinking that, too, with with Josh Allen, knowing how he is, the pressures, you know, you know, getting him to throw the ball in a bad spot. Turnovers, turnovers, turnovers leads to great things. That's how the Cowboys have been this year. That's the recipe for success. You get the, You get the opposing offense to turn the ball over. It just makes the life easier for the rest of the team. So for me, that like that's that's where I was going to go. But I'm going to pivot. I'm going to go on the offensive side of the ball. We did see. Almost, and I'm not trying to stir the pot here, everybody. But man, we got a running back by committee right now. Uh, Tony Pollard had 16 carries. Rico Dowdle had 12, including one that was uh, the the as uh, as Howman was mentioning the uh, the challenge that was successful with the Rico Doddle touchdown. I think we're going to see, you know, as a, as somebody who lives in Central New York, which is you know a short drive down down the uh, throughway to uh, to Buffalo and Orchard Park, to be more specific. They're calling for, you know, 40, almost 50 degree weather in December. I don't believe it until it actually happens. As somebody who lives up here as a native up here, the weather changes all the time. We were supposed to get a snowstorm this week. We haven't gotten anything up here. It's just been it's the, it's a weird weather thing in, in, in New York. So for me, I wouldn't be surprised if the weather changes in the next few days and we get snow. But regardless, if it's still going to be a chilly, colder kind of day and maybe damp and just, you know, the elements maybe aren't as pretty. Uh, I think you run the ball hard, I think you're going to control the game, keep that Bills offense off the field. I want to see I want to see at least 15 carries each for Rico Dowdle and Tony Pollard. That to me would control the game. You know, and I'm not saying take the ball out of Dak's hands because Dak's an MVP, but I think w- with my expectation of the conditions that normally happen at this time of year in New York, I would expect a more ground attack. McCarthy likes to run the ball, we know that. So I would like to see 15 carries for Pollard and Doddle a piece and let's get them each a touchdown. I love it. Um, I'm kind of going in a similar direction,
1: not so much uh, on just necessarily being, you know, with the run heavy approach, but I am very curious to see how McCarthy calls this game because a lot of his success has happened because he's been an aggressive pass, happy play caller and it's opened up the run game for them. Um, And obviously Dak Prescott is playing out of his mind, but this is you know even if if it's not going to be you know in the freezing weather if it, even if it's not a snow game i mean 40s is still pretty cold for a texas boy and that prescott you know throughout his history he doesn't have a whole lot of cold weather games but he does have some fair share of struggles in those cold weather games when he's played them um so I, i'm curious to see if how, how mike mccarthy does that does he is he going to stick to the plan of what's been working and see how it works or does he kind of go with a more run-heavy approach, try to have a little bit more balance with it? I do think, um, I, I'm, I'm, I have a feeling I'm going to call my shot and we'll see how well my manifestation powers work. I think this might be the game where we see Hunter Lipke touch the ball again, one way or another, whether it's getting a fullback handoff or or going out running around and catching a pass. I think McCarthy has had something in his back pocket holding out for it, and this might be the game where he gets that, but... We'll be we'll be uh, here next week to to talk about that and see if that happens and if it does you know just be prepared because I will be intolerable. It'll be but,
2: majestic, baby. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it, it will it will be majestic. But uh, for, for for the rest of the week, of course, you can find a bunch of great podcasts breaking down that that matchup with the Bills, and of course, great content on our site, um, podcasts, audio, written word uh, on, on bloggingtheboys.com. Feel free to uh, like our podcast, give it a five-star rating because, you know, we, we, we do great work here and have great content with these incredible people. Um, thank you for listening. And as always go Cowboys.